<clears throat> so, because I am nervous, when I'm nervous, well, some of you don't know this, some of you do, I've had a philosophy for a couple of years now. A therapist gave it to me, and it's been serving me rather well. It's called Steer Into the Fear. Uh, it's based on the principle of skidding when you're driving, actually. Uh, when you're driving and you hit a puddle and you lose control and you fishtail in your car, uh, what you're supposed to do is steer in the direction that you're skidding to regain control. It's uh, very counterintuitive. What you want to do is hit the brakes, but that's the worst thing you can do. You want to keep going the speed that you're going and turn your wills into the direction that you're losing control, uh, and that'll re help you regain control. And so... I've been taking the same philosophy since about 2015 uh, in, in, a, in a way that therapist is very responsible for the Grey Knight because at the time I'm doing radio work, but it's not the Grey Knight stuff. And I don't really have the, uh, I don't really have the courage at this point. Uh-oh. I don't really have the, there we go, that should be both recordings. I don't really have the, the courage or the conviction uh, to be the Grey Knight, uh, and nor nor is that like an idea in my head. Like that's just some erotica I wrote years ago in 2015. And my therapist says, you know, you've made a living all these ways doing entertainment stuff. Like you 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 basically keep living two lives. You keep living a sales life at a corporate place, and you keep doing entertainment stuff, but you keep making money. And you obviously like the entertainment stuff more. You obviously want to be a writer or author or a uh, radio guy or what have you. Uh, and it just hasn't worked out, and that hurts you. Uh, so why not find out a way to do it so that it doesn't hurt you, but it just scares you? It doesn't drain you, but it just intimidates you. How about you find a way to do that? And from there, we started talking about my anxieties and my fears and my need to because I'm not a very controlling person uh, in, my, in my personal life or my relationships or friendships, but I am very controlling about my creative work. Uh, it, very controlling. It's my voice, and in many points of my life, it's the only thing that anybody approved of is the, is the work that I could turn into them. I couldn't get a date. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't find a friend, but I could write something for money or I could write something for approval, and I could get it more times than not. And so, of course, that led to this huge attachment to this idea that it was me. Uh, the job was me, the work was me, and I was the work. And, of course, detaching from that took uh, quite a bit of effort as well. This is all going to be fun, I promise. It just doesn't sound it right now. And so, uh, <laughs> basically, that therapist and the, the steer into the fear came from well, what if instead of just being so anxious about it and the outcomes and how people see you and how you see yourself, what if when you feel those moments of high anxiety, you just do what makes you afraid? You feel that energy and you know that you're capable of doing it because you've done it so many times in so many ways before. What if when you feel that energy, and you feel that heat in your stomach, and you feel that tension in you, what if you just try and channel that? 
into the creative work instead? What if you put all of it in instead of just what you call the good parts? What if you put the bad parts in too? People like the bad parts of your writing and your attitude and your jokes. People like it when you call yourself bad things on stage, even though they don't like it when you say bad things about yourself in person. What if you put everything in? And some days that's a lot easier than others, obviously. Uh, but slowly but surely, it's, it's been a project that works for me. If I'm afraid to ask a girl out, I ask a girl out. I've only wanted to ask two women out in the last uh, uh, two and a half years and both rejected me. <laughs> so the fear was real. But I did it both times. I was like, well, we're talking. I've met you. We're making eye contact. And you don't seem to think I have a second head, so let's do it. And I've really tried to hold on to this philosophy, regardless of what it gives you or not. I've really attempted to simply say at the beginning of something when it's frightening or it's difficult and my head's in my own way, well, just do it anyway. And so the reason why I'm talking about this is the first show of the year, I'm trying to get everything going again. I'm about to start talking about uh, things that are past due, which is when I feel really bad when something uh, I promise is not in on time, yada, yada, yada. But instead of spending today sitting in a corner rocking back and forth with my arms around my knees or, or worried or, or, or ruining or anything like that, what I did instead was took a, take a nap. Took a nap. I, took a, I, I did. I took a nap. And I uh, played with my cat. And I rearranged things. And when I had too much nervous energy and I couldn't concentrate, I cleaned a little. And I just tried to focus on the fact of you're feeling anxious. You're feeling anxious about this. You have totally, re totally, I, when you say you feel anxious about performing, everybody goes, no, we love you. And they mean it. But <laughs> uh, it's, it, is very, it is very weird because, of course, you have every reason to feel anxious. If you biff it on stage, the consequence is hurt. Uh, just ask Tiffany Haddish and her New Year's Eve is special. <laughs> okay, nobody? Nobody Tiffany? No Tiffany Haddish fans? Damn. Son of a bitch, she's really funny. You guys need to give her a shot. Tiffany Haddish. All right. She, she, had, a <laughs> she had a bad New Year's Eve experience. Anyway. So, see, she went on stage, everyone said, don't worry, and then she bombed, and then people were really, really mean to her. So, <laughs> that's, that's what you should fear, right? That's why we're anxious. There is absolutely a repercussion. It could mean loss of money, loss of fame, loss of respect for yourself or others having for you. That's what we're anxious about, and it's a natural consequence. So, everyone's like, dad, dad, they're just spikes you could fall down. Like, if a trapeze artist was like, hey... I'm going to go down. I got this thing. You know there's no net tonight. I could fall. And you know that they've added spikes and that they're lighting them on fire tonight. And you just went, don't worry about it. What's the worst that could happen? It's just a performance. Now, obviously, he could die, and that would be bad. But he's not me. So me suffering any consequence is much worse than him dying. I need you to get on board. So... What I'm trying to say is thank you so much for coming out. Uh, I'm going to do a little something here that I'm terribly nervous about. And if this were three or six months ago, I wouldn't be doing because I'm so nervous about what's about to happen. But here it is.
<coughs> if night time should come before you come back to us here at Great Rock, we'll tell them to hold up. You complete us. You're our only savior since you destroyed our gods. You know us so well. You're brave like a mountain. Oh, you fly like an eagle. Oh, you do things that we'll never do. Uh huh, and you do them well. If sunshine should shine, we'll tell you to wait for us back up in the sky. But we know that you'll come back, matter of time. You own our hearts, our souls, and you own our minds. And you know us so well. You're brave like a mountain. Uh-huh. You fly like an eagle. You do things that we never do. Uh-huh. And you do them well. I say, wake, boy, get up and come back again. Go repent, he's coming. He's our size, he's our size, but he's not just a man. So much more, he's better. Wake, boy, get up and come back again. So go repent, he's coming. He's our size, he's our size, but he's not just a man. So much more, he's better. So much more, he's better. So much more, he's better. Okay. So, <clears throat> that was not perfect. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. It was requested. If you would like to request more songs, uh, we're putting more, more stuff up all the time on Patreon. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> it's a hard song. It's very embarrassing because it's a hard song and he sings it very well and the music adds a lot. Embarrassing. But I'm trying here, so there we go. Uh, now on that, before we get started with the rest of it, housekeeping, 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 because I know how to own a show. Uh, basically, here's where we are, here's where we are. I feel really good. I, I think I figured out the mental, psychological, and physical processes that I need to uh, to get through the day as Jack in the Grey Knight, whether I'm doing two hours of work a week uh, or a hundred, whether it's just me sitting alone or me really, really under the gun and having to just clock it out. And that's what was missing a lot before uh, in 2016-2017. And I have been feeling better and better, and I, I do think I'm going to be feeling better still. But by and large, I don't think of myself as, as much in recovery anymore. I am still recovering, but I'm not in recovery. And I'm not trying to be semantical about that, but uh, the days in which I get sick or feel sick, are, are getting further and further apart. Uh, there, there hasn't been a full day where I felt bad in a while. And um, last year really kind of signified that twice at the beginning of January 
at the beginning of the year in January, uh, I, I went out and I did some hiking and I really pushed myself to my physical limit and I was fine. I didn't think I was gonna handle it nearly as well as I did. Uh, I had to keep upping my push. I was gonna push myself to my physical limit. I went, okay, it's not there. Oh, okay, it's not there. Oh, okay, it's not there. And it was very exciting. And then the other thing is that it was a really major car crash. And I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to, to speak too much to your, to your sympathy or your hearts here. But just to relate it, truly, it was a long car crash because of the skid and, and because of the highway and the speed and all that. So it was quite a long crash. And so even in the panic, I had quite a long time to think. And I did kind of say goodbye because <laughs> it was super scary. Uh, and so, of course, I, I didn't leave. Uh, but I did say goodbye before impact, and then I hit. And then I had to come back to Earth, and there was, you know, panicked hours and that, that really dismal evening and then morning in the hotel room where I wasn't thinking. I was in PTSD fight-or-flight mode. And of course, what I didn't notice in PTSD flight-or-flight mode was just how much I was physically bringing it. Uh, obviously, I had... Uh, was just in a horrible, horrible uh, totaling car crash. Uh, I had uh, yet to form bruises, some bruises on my on my uh, upper right hand shoulder, and I was just capable of moving, 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 just in a way that I just wasn't, in a way that I so wish I was in Europe uh, in 2016 and could have really enjoyed Denmark a lot more if I had, but I just didn't. And this was after a major, major, major setback. And so between those two points, it's just hard to say, especially since I, I've been trying very hard to... I, I basically stopped drinking the last 100 days besides the holidays. I haven't had anything. Uh, I, I really curtailed drinking over 2018 uh, and, and went through long periods of not having anything, not eating out, all the diet and all the exercise. Uh, this was the proof that I had really been getting better. So the car crash was about 100 days ago from today. And besides the holidays, I have lived uh, those those hundred days with devotion, with a kind of idea that this was bonus time, that this was, you know, you really got so lucky that you walked away from, that you sprinted away from that fucking car crash without an issue, without an ache. You, you forget death. Like, the idea that you could have broken a bone or something or been holed up for six months is totally reasonable for that car crash. So even if you're not talking about death bonus time, these three months are both you up and around and in your own place and, and doing your own thing. This is bonus time, dude. And you need to treat it as such. You need to be grateful. Um, you need to eat rice and chicken and be grateful because it's good for you and you get to do it. So have gratitude, you son of a bitch. I'm getting very emotional. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I have. Uh, and I've been, I've been really trying. And it hasn't been easy. The stresses of the holidays, uh, without going too much into a bad child experience, I had a really bad child experience when I got snowed in once, and I got snowed in three times. 
<laughs> in three weeks, three different blizzards hit me, and there was literally at one point 13 inches of snow at my front door, and there's no chance of going anywhere. Uh, and all of these triggers hit. I don't like using the word triggers for me, but all these triggers and all these stressors and all these difficult situations hit and kept hitting. And I kept thinking, well, t tomorrow's the day that I'm going to fall uh, into a goddamn abyss and I'm not going to be able to get out for a couple of days. And it just never even remotely came. It just never even remotely came. I kept waiting for this depressive episode and there were definitely periods of, of depression in the last hundred days. But, the, but just as everything else has been getting easier to manage and everything else is, is easier to do, so has it been. And all the stuff that I find near goddamn impossible, uh, going someplace for the first time, uh, me being one on three or four or five people, like negotiating for a new car, uh, all, all this stuff that's just so hard hasn't been so hard for the last hundred days for this bonus time. To steer into it and to try and do it has not actually been so difficult. And it's not that I don't stumble, and it's not that I can do it all the first time. I had to try and stream Subnautica four times before I could actually do it. But in the past, I would try and stream Subnautica over and over and over and over again. I would literally put it down like, okay, on Tuesday and Friday, until you get it, uh, you will try and stream this. And then I would rake my souls over that, those coals 20, 30, 40 times before I gave up. Uh, so the ability to feel the anxiety, to feel the PTSD, what I call body lock, and to make my way through it entirely on my own, without talking to anybody else, it has given me a resounding confidence. It is. There are two things that hold me back. My temper, when I lose my temper, and when I lose my ability to have agency. And typically my temper, when I yell at people, it's to get them away from me so that I don't lose agency. That's not how they see it, and that's rightfully so for them. But that's what I'm doing. I'm screaming, Argh! so the situation stops so that I can retain who I am uh, at the end of the day. And I've been doing real good with the temper thing for years and years now. Not where I want it to be, but it's been getting a lot better. So this PTSD victory has really meant a lot. It has really meant a lot. It has given me so much confidence. And with it, and the new year, and all the rest of the events that have happened, I had to sit down and look and think, hey, what is, what is really going to be the shape in the future of this project? And that question got brought up, unfortunately, by the Tumblr incident, with Tumblr taking down the adult content, and me being hit by that. So I had to really try and look at it through the, you know, the bonus gratitude lens of this bad thing happening and what comes next, what makes me happy about this project, what can I do? And since I'm tired of not having the resources that I want to have when I want to have them, and since I feel ready to actually start adding some zeros uh, to my fan base numbers and expanding and all the rest, since 
Allie's been so amazing and so hardworking for the last year uh, and, and has just been incredible getting the library up and ready. And that's, you know, we're finally uh, getting ready to launch that out and all that. What is the shape of the project? What can I do? What can I bring it right now? What can I do to make 2019 good? That's how I ended 2018, right? If Tumblr goes down and doesn't come back up, if, 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 if all these bad things are still true, how do I still be grateful? How do I still be active? What can I do? What will make me happy? How, how does the Grey Knight move forward? And the answer is I love this shit. I love what I'm doing right now, how I'm talking to you right now and, and interacting and, and watching the chat scroll by right now. I don't like it so much with video games, and I appreciate that people are video game streamers, but that's uh, not for me. I do like interacting with people, and I do like doing their requests, and I like flirting with you guys live, and I like responding, and I like you knowing that I didn't get to prep it, that I didn't get to, you, you knowing that it's, that it's real and authentic. I like that. I think I get to show off. I think I get to I get I think I get to seem impressive when I nail it I feel powerful and I wanted and I really want to keep doing it. And so that was the first thing that I locked in. So if we lock that in, the live stuff, I really want to lock that in with everything else and I can keep the podcast wheel spinning no problem. What can I really do in 2019 to show you guys I'm ready? I'm ready. No more no more fucking around. I'm ready. I feel ready, win or lose, what can I do to show you guys? And the answer kept coming back to me is actually show you guys who I am. You know, actually start putting myself visually and shit out there. Actually start going out and and shaking hands and hugging and kissing on cheeks and actually telling jokes and, and having you be able to look into my eyes while I'm telling them. Uh whether it be, you know, on anything. I, I really, yeah, show the buns, absolutely. Show the ass, bend over. Put a little put a little lollipop in my mouth. And not only that, but I want to do it. It's scary, but I absolutely want to do it. Steer into the, steer into the skid, right? Steer into it. Steer into the fear. And so here's where we're at right now. I mentally and emotionally feel ready. I physically am not ready for the internet stardom machine to turn its spotlight on me. But here's the only thing that's stopping that. Uh, I think I'm about 30 to 35 pounds overweight. If I Once I lose that, that's it. Uh, and that's, there's probably not going to be like a huge amount of excitement hearing that. But hopefully I can change that over time. Uh, that's it. That's the last drawbridge for me. I get that. Uh, I literally am already working on getting the suit and the photos and the, the helm. I'm already working on all that. Literally lose the weight, put on the helmet, put on the suit, and it's done. And that's it. And that's it. And it really, really, truly begins. And from that point forward, I'm taking selfies. I'm not showing you guys, but like I'm actually trying to take selfies and like work that into my life. 
Uh, I've actually, like, trying to figure out the whole thing. I'm not going to... I haven't tried to figure out how to do a vlog here because I hate this recording space, and I do want to move first. But when I do get my new space, I am going to immediately figure out how to do two- and three-point lighting. As I set up my audio recording situation, I'm telling you now, I'm also going to be setting up two- or three-point lighting, depending on what the room allows. And I'm going to be doing vlogs. And I'm going to be doing it because it's going to be fucking hilarious to see a guy in a mask talking shit and reading poetry and shit. But it's it's very funny to me, and it is me, and I do want to do it. And I think it'll, it'll be very interesting, of course, to see people's reaction to the physical presentation of how I look. But that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to see a guy in a metal mask, a real metal mask, on YouTube, and it's actually going to be me with my voice coming out of my mouth doing vlogs and shit on occasion. And uh, the big, big part of this is I'm looking as hard as I can, as hard as I can, to get a venue in Denver. That's where I officially want to unlock the physical side of it, do a live stage show. I want to give you guys as much notice as possible. Again, I'm looking for the venue now. I'm booking it. And it's becoming like a wedding, and I'm becoming like the bride. And basically, this whole thing is is that I have to book this venue, and then lose a shit ton of weight before the actual ceremony and the fitting and all that. Fitting is two weeks before the fucking ceremony, so I have to lose a shit ton of weight before the ah, and I get there, and then I'll I'll come out and I'll do it. And I am. Not at all, whoops, I am not at all nervous about this next part either. Uh, because from my past lives, this is <laughs> uh, a culmination of stuff that I've done and can do well and will do very easily. And therefore, I'm very excited. So I have put it off and I have... Uh, delayed, and I'm so, 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 so sorry for that. But you've heard my health get better and better. You've heard my voice get better and better. You've heard my attitude get better and better. I think that I waited for good reasons. I I think that I, I had to feel it in my heart that I was ready. And I really got to ask myself these last 100 days, do you feel ready? Because you know that you're going to make mistakes. You know you're going to hurt people. You know you're not going to please everybody. You know you're going to get criticism. You know people are going to say the meanest shit to you just to try and get your goat because that can cost you. And that's what people want to do because they won't see you as a person. Are you ready for that? And I'm ready to try. So lose a little bit. Keep, keep on sending me the support. I just got to lose a little bit of weight. Really? Tone up a little bit of fucking, uh, tone up my arms a little bit, and we're ready to go. The legs are already fucking there. I already got buns, huns. You're going to really enjoy it. But no, okay, you guys, you're being very, very sweet, but one more time, because you're not hearing me if you're saying take as much time as you want or what have you. You got to hear this. I feel ready. What I'm asking for now is that support. I just got to lose a little bit of weight, and then we're moving on. So that's what I need from you guys. That's where we're at. 
I want you to get excited. I'm saying this because it's time for you to get excited. I'm saying this because I really think that you're going to enjoy what comes next. I really think you are. It's intimidating for me to say that. I don't like making promises and I don't like missing deadlines, but I really, 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 really believe that we're going to have that live show up hopefully sooner than you expect, definitely in 2019, and that from there it's going to be a fairly quick rejiggering to move it up and out. Knock on wood. This is really it. I have never attempted to expand the project before. I have never made a concentrated or concerted effort to gain more fans or followers or to put myself out there. I just haven't. And now I am. And now it begins. And thank you so much for being here and being a part of it. And I know that was way too long of an intro. Way too long of an intro. But it means the world to me that you listen to even parts of it. Uh, I, you heard me get very emotional in there, because how could I not? Uh, but now hopefully you can hear the lack of emotion or only good emotions. Because just one last time, I feel so fucking ready. I know people are going to mock my singing. I know people are going to say shitty things about me. I know no matter what I look like, some people are going to go, <laughs> and I just don't give a shit. I'm so fucking ready. I drive some of you so fucking wild without trying, without even remotely fucking trying. And now I really want to try. Now I really want to see what I can do. And that has got to be more interesting than any negative effect or consequence. Because who else can do it? A lot of times, a lot of things I do, I don't feel great about it because I wonder who else could have done it better. But not the Grey Knight. Not, not who I am when I'm in this persona. Before I start reading this last little bit here, I just want to say, I, I know that I'm going to fucking kill it. I don't know how, how or where or when. I don't know where my ladder in or how I'm going to get in or how I'm going to break in. But I know that I'm going to fucking kill it. I know it. You guys have taught me. You have shown me. You have helped me believe in me. And I appreciate you all the more. So, thank you. And on that, before we do quick quotes, just one poem because I think... It is worthy of it. It is called Anticipation. <clears throat> I dream of the day that you are freed so that my passion can you feed. My loins burn with strong desire. My heart swells with a burning fire. The touch of your hand against my skin brings to my face a lustful grin. The thoughts of all the things will do. The deepest desire will, of course, come true. Your arms will once again hold me, and I will beg so passionately for you to never let me go. And we will rock gently to and fro. Your lips will touch mine, and I will quiver for my desire 
will make you shiver. I doubt we'll make it through the night without some squeals of delight. So think on my love of that wonderful day when I can look at you and say, I want more than anything right here, right now. Make my body sing. Okay. Quick quotes, please. Quick quotes. And if you haven't DM'd Allie to say that you want to have phone sex with me tonight at the very end of the show, this is the definite time to do so. Just send Allie a direct message. She's got her own little system and shit all figured out for it. I legitimately don't know who you are until it's time. Uh, it's a little nervous. It's a little nerve-wracking. I, I actually pushed off this live show from the 8th to the 15th because I wasn't ready to have phone sex right after the holidays because of all the bourbon I drank. Real quick, I told you I didn't drink for the last 100 days except for the holidays. Well... Just so you know, it is a Grey Knight family tradition that Christmas starts on the 22nd and ends on the 2nd of January. So between the 22nd of December and the 2nd of January, by my lonesome, just this guy here, I drank 3.5 liters of bourbon over that spread. 3.5 liters of bourbon. And I could have done with some more. (laughs) Okay, quick quotes, quick quotes. Good girl, stroke me. Baby, please. Adulting is so hard. How about tonight you don't have to? Let me take care of you. You should know by now what Daddy can do with his hands. I adore you, darling. But be quiet now and let me kiss you. Come, sit by my face, baby. I want to hear you scream. We were meant to live for so much more. back, baby girl. I've got you. Mmm. What a sweet slut you are. This is the manifesto of Mother Monster. (laughs) You're doing so good, baby girl. Oh, little girl. Daddy thinks you're amazing. I bet I can make you scream with only one finger. You've been so good, little girl. Let me kiss that pretty little forehead. Hear the tone in my voice. Do you really want to push me?
And just because it's always asked. <clears throat> This is your collar. Wear it with pride, kitten. Hey, that's my helmet. Give it back. Be careful, baby girl. If you wiggle too much, you'll make daddy hard. Bring that pussy over here, baby girl. You know how daddy likes it. All right, guys, quick quotes. We are going to go ahead and finish them up because I went long. It's like an award show. There's only one guy on stage, and yet somehow he's mad at you that he's staying late. There's one person with a microphone, but he's irritated with you that we're late collectively. Doesn't make any sense. Here we are. <clears throat> Coffee and cigarettes, an alcoholic's best friend. Is that a chain smoker's lyric? What the fuck is that? <clears throat> I've got a lollipop I always carry around just for you. New girls, we're closing up these. If you have said one before, please stop. We're closing up quick quotes. If you are a new girl, especially, I know you're shy. Please put in quotation marks. We'll end on yours. We're stopping it. Again, if you have put one up before, please stop. If you have never put up one before, I would love to end on yours. New girls, new girls, new girls. I know you want me to say something. Nobody asked me to say their name tonight. I would love to just say your name. I know there's something you've always wanted me to say for you. Please, 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 don't be shy. I love to end it on new girls. <clears throat> Kisses for all of Daddy's babies. Silence in the dark, thank you so much. Bend over and remember, you earned this. Fantastic. Uh, I'm gonna go with Buffalokins, Buffalokins. Do it for Daddy. Thank you, Buffalokins. Appreciate you. Uh, Doe on the low. Oh, I love your name. Doe on the low. That's so cute. <clears throat> I am so proud of everything you do. Doe on the snow reminds me of one of the cutest songs and cutest videos I've ever seen. If you ever want a two-minute little burst of joy and you haven't seen it before, look up Kate Miguchi. Dear, dear, D-E-A-R-D-E-E-R. It's one of the cutest musical videos ever made. You will smile. It's very adorable. It's just what it sounds like. It's a song to a deer. She writes a song to a deer. She hopes her dad doesn't shoot him. It's very adorable. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, okay, guys, I think that's going to be quick quotes unless any new girls have one. Has nobody else said one? Nobody, nobody, nobody left. No new girls, no new girls. Okay, let's get them in. This is the end. This is the end. We're moving to the next segment. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go. New girls, remember that I love you because I'm going to fuck you like I don't. I have talents you can't put on a resume. Oh, you're so adorable when you're angry. I actually insulted a guy real quick. The whole I have talents you can't put on a resume. I actually, oh, there's one more. I'll do this story as the transition. <clears throat> you are the sweetest sweetheart in the whole world. Thank you, new girls. You were so brave. So many new girls tonight. I really appreciate it. Uh, so super quick, uh, a guy trying to give me a little bit of lip, like online, he just kind of sent me a message like, oh, yeah, if you really have all that going for you as the gray knight, why don't you just charge money to teach other guys how to get it? And my response was, <clears throat> if you could teach other men to acquire what I have, there wouldn't be such a thing as a super yacht. <clears throat> can't be taught, can't be bought, bitches. <laughs> Read them and weep. You think this can be learned? That school would have been opened in Milan hundreds of years ago. You fucking kidding me? <laughs> I understand in America that school might have a hard time running, but you're telling me that school wouldn't be somewhere in France or Europe by now if it couldn't be? Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. That's right, France or Europe, fuck the French. Well, get them all out. They did it with themselves. They built nuclear power plants all around the border, and we're going to use them. We're going to frack. We're going to frack all the nuclear power plants along the French border all at once, and we're just going to drift them all out into the ocean. And then England and France can both be the angry fucking islands of Europe. And they could just be, uh, they could, and they could go, oh, no, we're not European. Because the French already think that. The French already think, we're not European, we're French. So let's just make it happen. Let's just go ahead and fucking fix the. <laughs> uh, French jokes are some of the most fun. People are like, you can't only, you can't make fun of white people. Really? Because I found that you can make fun of endlessly the French, the Germans, the Italians, the Irish, the, the Hicks, the, I mean, <laughs> people say, people are like, you can't make fun of white people. It's more like, have you tried? Literally, no one's ever stopped me from making fun of the Italians. Not once. Not once. And I threw in a lynching joke. They laughed. That's true. The biggest lynching. It was Italians. Ah! Look it up. The biggest mass lynching in America was against Italians. It's true. That's a true fact. <laughs> and you're laughing at it. I know. I know. And Italians find it funny too. It's so weird. <laughs> Hicks laugh, Hicks laugh at white trash uh, humor because they live in the greatest proximity to white trash. 
they relate the most to it. Just look at the success of Jeff Foxworthy. They were all laughing at the people laughing around them. They, 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 none of them thought they were the target. It's amazing. There's a whole thing. You can make as much fun of white people as you want. Just do it. Okay, guys. I'm pretending to be sexy. Wasn't that the beginning of this? I was pretending to be sexy? <laughs> I should probably get back to it. Okay. <clears throat> My story is much too sad to be told. But practically everything leaves me totally cold. The one exception I know is the case when I'm out on a quiet spree, fighting vainly the old ennui. And I suddenly turn to see a fabulous face. I get no kick from champagne. Mere alcohol doesn't thrill me at all. So tell me why should it be true? that I get a kick out of you. <laughs> you. They formatted that like it was a poem, and I didn't realize it was the song because I didn't, <laughs> until I got to the chorus. Gosh darn it. <laughs> I wasn't doing that like I was a joke. <laughs> it's a Ron Burgundy thing. You, formula, you format something like a poem, and I read it like a poem. You put it on the screen, and I read it. And she said once, and the air the dew would bloom. Fuck you, San Diego. God damn it, get back into it. Sexy, sexy, you need to be sexy, sexy. Sexy. Okay. This is a word we use to plug holes with. It's the right size for those warm blanks in speech, for those red heart-shaped vacancies on the page that look nothing like real hearts. And lace, you can sell it. We insert it also in the empty space on the printed form that comes with no instructions. There are whole magazines with not much in them but the word love. You can rub it all over your body, and you can cook with it too. How do we know it isn't what goes on at the cool debaucheries of slugs under damp pieces of cardboard? For the weed seedings, noisings, their tow snouts up among the lettuces, they shout it. Love, love, sing the soldiers, raising their glistening knives in salute. Then there's the two of us. This word is far too short for us. It has only four letters too sparse to fill those deep, bare vacuums between the stars that press on us with their deafness. It is not love we do not wish to fall into, but that fear. This world is not enough, but it will have to do. It's a single vowel in this metallic silence, a mouth that says, oh, again and again in wonder and pain a breath, a finger on the cliffside. You can hold on, or you can let go. Variations on the word love by Margaret Atwood. A very good poem. That Margaret Atwood, huh? She might be going someplace. Somebody might just know her name as a writer one day. She keeps she keeps up at it. That Margaret, that Maggie Atwood. 
Gosh, I wonder if any of her stuff would translate to TV. Ah, oh, don't be ridiculous. <clears throat> what do I see in you? Oh boy, oh boy. I see mountains and rivers and a lifetime of joy. I see the sun shining in the grayest day. I see clouds of silver lining my way. What do I see in you? Oceans of blue, colorful rainbows, morning dew, trees of glory displaying leaves of green. I see goodness and beauty in all living things. I hear creatures of darkness prowling the night, but I'm safe in your arms as you hold me real tight. I feel the whispers of the wind entwining my soul. I feel you breathing. That makes me whole. I hear the rain falling and the sun on my face. I feel the shadows of darkness as me you embrace. I feel happiness and laughter, tears and sorrow, but without your love there would be no tomorrow. I feel thunder and lightning whenever you're near. I feel whispers of love when you bring my ear. But of all the things that nature may bring, it's your love I cherish above everything. What do I see in you by Shilao, I'm going to go with Shilao Bulman. Perhaps Shila Bulman. And all of those poems and all of those beautiful heartfelt stories. And now on to the fucking smut. these in the right order, please. I had an order. I had an order. Okay. <clears throat> Let's start off with a business trip. After spending the day drinking vodka by the pool, Cassandra returned to her hotel room only to discover that she had been locked out. A cleaning woman eyed her suspiciously as she wandered the hallways wearing nothing but her bikini and a wet towel. Eventually, she remembered that Stephen was staying on the same floor. She shuffled to his room and knocked frantically on his door. After a few minutes, Stephen stuck his head out and saw her standing there, shivering, hair still wet. Cassandra, disheveled, struggled to explain, I think I lost my room key. He kindly invited her in. His room was dimly lit, with sections of the newspaper strewn about the floor. He handed her a bathroom, a bathrobe. <sighs> I'll make you some tea. She put on the bathrobe and took a seat at the small desk near the window. Wow, your view is so much nicer than mine. He chuckled. You can come by whenever you want. You're such a gentleman, she said. I'm sorry about all of this. Not at all. I was actually hoping for some company. There was a brief silence as he poured hot water into the teacup. She admired his figure as he did so. 
He wore a black polo shirt with khakis and stood barefoot on the carpet. Cassandra had always thought of him as the sexiest guy in the office. He was refined, soft-spoken, and engaging. The two of them had shared a rather passionate embrace at a Christmas party last year, and she sometimes found herself musing on his relationship status. I hope you like Earl of Grey, he said with a dimpled smile. I like him just fine, she said in an exaggerated British accent that I won't be doing. He dragged the bedside table over to the desk and sat atop it. So, Cassandra, how do you like Los Angeles? She tried not to giggle. They talked and laughed and flirted for an hour. Stephen played 80s pop music from his cell phone. Cassandra came out of the bathroom twirling, the white bathrobe floating like a cape behind her. The lights of a nearby bridge shimmered through the window. Stephen was sipping whiskey from a wine glass. I love your hair when it's curly, he said finally. She gasped, covering her face with her hands. Really? I find it makes me look goofy. No, not at all, he said, rolling the ice cubes around in his glass. Straight hair is so business-like. Well, we're not in the office right now, so I guess we can do as we like. There was a smile, uh, there was a smiling silence that hung between them for a moment, and Stephen placed his hand on her thigh. She leaned in and kissed him under the lamplight. His lips were sweet with the taste of whiskey. His kiss was incredible. Their lips fused with sublime suppleness. The bathrobe came untied as they traded tongues. She felt his grip on her thigh. His touch was firm but restrained. After a few minutes, she took his hand and led him to the couch. The couch was small and sprinkled with floral patterns. Stephen sat down, but Cassandra remained standing. She shed the bathrobe coyly, her blue string bikini now dried. Stephen reclined, and she noticed the contour of his swelling dick in his khakis. She leaned over him and placed her hand on his upper thighs, allowing her breast to dangle in front of his face. She kissed him and said, I just dried myself off. You're going to make me all wet again. Stephen grinned, closing his eyes as she grabbed at his pants. She undid the button with careful dexterity and tugged at the waistline. He was wearing boxers and a tartan pattern with his head and his dick poking out from the bottom. She slowly climbed on top of him, wrapping her arms around his shoulders. They continued kissing fiercely with sensual groans. Cassandra grinded, grinded along his hardened shape as he pawed at her shapely ass. She broke away from the kiss and untied the string of her bikini top. Tossing it across the room, she revealed her perky teacup-sized breasts. Stephen took her left one in his hand and brought the nipple into his mouth. Cassandra threw her head back in ecstasy. He 
lightly licked at her areola. She could feel her bikini bottoms getting damp again. She clumsily pulled off his boxers. His dick sprang up. She took it in her hand. His girth was impressive, and Cassandra's hand looked small by comparison as she pulled it back and forth. You like touching my cock? I do, she said with a shy whisper. It's so big. They kissed again, and she crawled over him to the other side of the couch. Stephen took her ankles and jerked her curves, her curvy hips closer. She looked at him with curious anticipation. He tore away the blue bottoms in one forceful tug. Cassandra smiled, her frizzy blonde hair now glowy golden in the lamplight. Stephen eyed her pussy hungrily. It was partially shaven with only a small, dark tuft of hair. He liked it. He thumbed her glossed lips, peeled her apart like pages of a newspaper. He took her into his mouth, and she brushed her hand through his dark hair. Oh, fuck, she howled. It seemed like forever since anyone had made Cassandra feel this good. Stephen weaved a wonderful knot with his tongue. Her ankles shivered with pleasure. She held out one hand inside her thigh and squeezed her breast with the other. Her breast was still wet with his saliva, and he softly pinched the edges of her nipple. Cassandra stared down at Stephen's head. She held his hair in her fingertips. It was almost too much. She squirmed, feeling that she was so close to coming. Stephen came up for air, brushing the bangs out of his face. They were both panting like animals. Cassandra turned herself over, feeling the fabric of the couch on her nipples. She hoisted her small, tanned ass into the air. Sounds out of breath, she asked, Do you... do you have a condom? Stephen did, of course, but he wasn't ready to fetch it just yet. Can we focus on you just for a little while longer? Cassandra wasn't used to this. Foreplay usually felt rushed. It felt like an appetizer to the main dish. She always felt like she was meant to enjoy herself, but that the ultimate goal was for her male partner to come. But Stephen wouldn't let up. He licked her clit and slid his fingers inside her. Watching her in this state was making all of the blood rush to his cock. He kept licking and playing until her toes curled and she finally exploded into his mouth. He fucking loved it. Stephen walked over to the bathroom and returned with a condom, his dick saluting her as he walked. He tossed her the bathrobe and she draped it over the couch, adjusting the placement of her knees. He applied the condom right in front of her face. He wanted her to watch. He wanted her to take note of his meticulousness. Stephen seemed to hold his dick in his hand as though it were a dangerous weapon. Cassandra braced herself as she felt him gliding beneath her. The couch seemed to creak. The music was still playing from his phone, and she felt him tap his tip a few times against the spread pussy glistening in the lamplight. 
She felt Stephen's dick gliding outward for a while before he slipped the head inside her. Stephen noticed he was gripping the armrest. Tell me if it hurts, he said. She nodded, feeling his fingers on her hip and the textures of the couch brushing against her tits. It was like a dream. Their bodies moved together in a timeless rhythm. He slowly eased the wholeness into her mouth, and she rode him steadily in the soft glow of the lamp. Their skin now gleamed with sweat. Fuck, Stephen, you feel so good. Fuck me deeper, she commanded. She felt the slap of his hand against her ass. The sound of their fucking echoed through the room. Cassandra had to stabilize herself. She lowered her left leg until she felt the carpet on her bare foot. Oh, God, she prayed. Her tits were swaying back and forth as she shouted, Fuck, fuck, fuck. She came a second time. She came with him inside her. Her spine cringed and curved. She cried until her voice ran out. Cassandra turned over and saw Stephen looming over her. He took off the condom with his left hand and he jerked himself off. She pressed her tits together and he came all over them. She felt his warm white cum fall generously all over her chest. and She liked this a lot, more than she expected. They stayed there on the couch for a while. Shit, Cassandra said. I, I can't stop smiling. They took a shower together, scrubbing suds over each other. He lent her a large T-shirt, and she hid herself in the bed and flicked on the television. Stephen handed her a menu. Okay, pretty lady, let's get you some room service. The end. All right, girls, it's time to pay me. Listen to how good I sound. Listen to how far I've come. Let's get that link up going. Fucking pay me. While I pick up this next thing. Get me paid, girls. You know you like everything that's happening. This is your way to show it. Every dollar counts. Just like they say... In 80s pop music, everything counts in large amounts. All right. <clears throat> Little sip of water, because I'm not a machine. Well, not that kind of machine. <laughs> Here we go. <clears throat> I started moving through the guests towards the back staircase when I noticed a familiar form descending down the large front of stairs to the main studio. In the same trajectory, Poppy had taken. Anton was going alone, and while part of me reasoned that he probably just wanted to check his friend, whom he had seemed visibly upset as she ran away from her own party, another part of me turned back into full-blown rage. Fuck boundaries. Fuck doing the right thing. He didn't get to go after my wife. That was my prerogative, my privilege, my job. I changed direction and followed him. 
my dress shoes loud on the steps as I descended into the studio. I couldn't see Anton or Poppy, so I drifted around the corner into the long hallways that led into the smaller studio rooms, all with their large mirrors and long bars. Empty studio after empty studio, and then in the very last one, I saw Poppy. She was alone, thank God, hugging herself and looking out the window, her mouth, her back to the door and me. In the mingled light from the moon and the streetlights, I could see her shoulders shake as she cried softly to herself. One long tendril of hair had escaped from her updo, hanging in an elegant curl against her neck. I stepped into the room, closing the door softly behind me. She turned her head, looking back at me over her shoulder. She did not speak. Tell me to leave and I'll leave, I said, taking another step closer. Tell me not to touch you, and I won't. A tear spilled over her cheek, gliding down to her jaw. But she remained silent. Say red, or whisper it, or mouth it even, and I'll go. No questions asked. I'll get a hotel room, and you can come home without me there. Still, nothing from her. I'd have the distance between us, and I kept coming closer, determined to give her a choice, to let her know that she could say no to me at any point, and that I would leave if she did. I finally got close enough to touch my little lamb, but I didn't yet. I was so fucking hard for her. My hands practically vibrated with the need to seize her, though I didn't. She was still looking over her shoulder. Tear tracks glistened on her face, and that stray lock of hair on her neck hung so gracefully against her skin that I, well... I just wanted to tug it. I wanted to bite that neck and suck hard at the delicate skin there. Just say red or leave or go at any time, and I will stop. I met her eyes. Do you understand? Without blinking, she inclined her head the barest amount. Not good enough, I thought. Say, yes, Father Bell, I understand, I commanded. It was either the demand that she call me by that name or the tone of voice that did it. The breath left her body in one ragged exhale, and she finally turned to face me, lifting her tear-streaked face to mine. For a moment, I thought maybe she wouldn't respond or maybe she would tell me to leave or... Maybe she'd resort to physically pushing me away. But she didn't do any of those things. Yes, Father Bell. She whispered instead. I understand. My little lamb, I muttered. Finally able to give in and touch her. I slid one hand around her neck, finding that stray tendril in the back and curling it idly around one finger as I spoke. The things I want to do to you. Her red lips parted. 
If you do those things to me, you'll have to fight me for them. Is that what you really want? I asked, moving her silky hair between my fingertips. Or is this just your way of asking me to leave? No, she said firmly. I want you to fight me for it. I want to fuck you. And I want to be rough. I just also want you to know that I'm so furious with you right now. And it makes me want to leave scratches all over your body. I almost groaned at that. Every word she spoke made my cock throb painfully. And it was torn between jumping feet first into this hate fuck or dropping to my knees and begging her to put my dick out of its misery. She cleared up all that dilemma for me when she palmed my erection through my tuxedo pants, squeezing hard. I want you to hurt when you come for me, she hissed. And I want to fucking tear you apart, I said. Her eyes flashed. I'd like to see you try. My hands were wrapped around her throat in an instant, pushing her back into the cold glass of the mirror. My other hand found her wrist and moved it above her head. But before I could properly pin it against the glass, she slapped me across the face hard, the crack resounding through the small studio like a gauntlet. I staggered back, more surprised than hurt and harder than ever. And she slipped from my grasp, my grasp, ducking under my arm and bolting for the door. With the lacy skirt of her dress bunched in one hand and her gold heels shining in the moonlight, she looked like a princess out of a fairy tale. This wasn't a fairy tale, though. And even if it were, I certainly wasn't playing the role of prince tonight. I caught up to her in a few long strides, grabbing her arm and spinning her around to face me. Her foot shot out, connecting with the shin, the bright flash of pain loosening my grip enough that she could try and pull away, try being the operative word. I reached for her waist and wrapped an arm around it, pulling her tight against me and pressing my erection into her stomach. You feel that? She squirmed against me, trying to wiggle free. That's for you, lamb. I told her, pinning her tighter against me, making every inch of my hardness through the clothes. It's all for you. And then I kissed her, my mouth crashing against hers, the moan into my mouth, forgetting herself and opening her lips to me, letting my tongue flicker against hers. Everything about her was so soft right now, her mouth her stomach against my steel-hard cock, the upper arm I still held tight in my grip, so soft. Four lines of pain, blazing and sharp, razored down my neck. I felt anger and lust in that uniquely visceral thrill that came from feeling as if I paid a penis, as if I had earned a just punishment. I pulled back to see Poppy's eyes wide and feral in the light, her hand still raised, and then 
she tried to run again. I managed to hold onto her long enough that she only made it a step or two, and then momentum took us both. We fell into a tangled pile of lace and legs and arms, and I struggled to regain a hold on her. But she was too fast, up and on her hands and knees, trying to crawl away. And I crawled after her, stretching out to wrap a strong hand around her ankle. She shrieked in protest, and I hauled her back to me, climbing over her and trapping her body under mine. Let's see what I've caught. I've rasped in her ear, pinning both her her wrists with one hand and then using my other hand to lift the skirt of her dress. She kicked her legs and tried to twist away, but my position on top of her made escape impossible. Somewhere in the back of my lust-addled mind, a messenger from my conscience revived. Make sure she's still okay, it demanded. Check to see if she needs to stop. After all, we've had rough sex before, but never in anger. Never like this. This is uncharted territory. My fingers paused at the edge of her silk panties. My hand shook with the effort of stopping. Hell, my whole body shook with the effort of stopping. But I did. One faint point in good guy Tyler's favor. Do you want me to stop, lamb? I forced myself to ask. I can stop. Her mouth twisted into a victorious smile. Why are you afraid of losing? I won't lose, I growled. Then shut the hell up and fuck me, she panted. I already told you I want it this way. What more do you need? Good guy Tyler would probably need a lot more things. But good guy Tyler wasn't here right now. Father Bell was here instead. And church was in session. Still holding her wrist to the floor, I started rubbing her clit over the silk of her panties, relishing the way her eyes flustered shut when I found just the right pressure, just the right tempo. And she stopped trying to wriggle free, instead bucking her hips up to meet mine. Even the outside of her panties were damp, which made me think of our heated moment in the loft, which made me think of Anton and the fact that if he was still down here searching for Poppy or not. In a moment of renewed anger, I fisted one side of her underwear and tore them off her hips, shredding the delicate embroidered fabric and leaving her sweet cunt bare for me. Then I spanked it. She let out a little squeak, squirming away from me, and I spanked it again just to hear her make that noise again. I got to my knees and straddled her waist, leaving her pussy wet and exposed behind me. With the hand not holding her wrist, I fumbled with my button on my zipper, my dick springing free, dark and veined, and so hard it ached. Open those red lips for me, I said. Make me. I moved her body and angled myself forward, the flared clown of my cock nudging against her lips, which were pressed firmly closed. You want me to make you? I threatened, 
She raised an eyebrow in challenge. Quick as a flash, I let go of her wrist and reached into the bodice of her dress where I found an erect nipple and twisted. She cried out in mingled pain and pleasure, parting those lips as I thrust my hips down at the same instant, shoving myself inside her mouth. I let out a string of swear words the moment my dick was inside, pushing against her tongue. Fuck and shit and Jesus, that felt so good. I started moving in and out, and then I let go of her wrist to brace myself more heavily on the floor. My other hand tangled deep in her hair. I shouldn't have let go. She flipped onto her side, unsettling my balance and also removing her delicious mouth from my dick, and she scrambled out from underneath me. I tried to hold onto her hair, and she was struggling with me. I wasn't sure how she managed it, but there was another slap and then a shove so hard that I tumbled backwards, my head knocking against the wood floor. Adrenaline pounded through me, the urge to fight and to fuck, and there she was crawling up my body like a tigress, her face wild and sexy as hell, and her slightly blurred lipstick and stray hair falling from her to do so. She straddled me, pressing her bare pussy against my bare cock, and it was a twisted version of the first time we ever fooled around together. Her rubbing herself against me while I grabbed her hips to move her harder and faster. But this time I wore a tux, not a priest collar. And we were in Poppy's dance studio, not a church. And this time she swatted my hands away impatiently, moving her hand up to squeeze around my throat. I stilled. Everything was so wet where she was sitting on me, so fucking wet and warm, and then, without warning, she was tucking her skirt into one elbow and then gripped my root and then moving up, and oh my fucking God, oh my fucking God, so tight, so wet, so warm. Her pussy enveloped me in one rough movement, and her hold on my throat tightened as she started fucking me harder than she'd ever fucked me before, taking me into the hilt and then bucking against me, the sweet pink berry of her clit rubbing against the muscle above my cock. She moved violently, ferociously, punishing me for all of my sins, and fuck if this wasn't the punishment I deserved then I would sin again and again and again. She wrapped her other hand around the lapel of my tux jacket, using the lapel and my throat for leverage, and she was like a woman possessed on top of me, riding as hard as I wanted to ride her. Oh, my God. I groaned, closing my eyes, barely able to breathe past her hand around my neck. I couldn't watch any more. That needy clit or those red lips or that elegant hand holding my lapel in her death grip. It was all too much. I was far too worked up, and I could feel a biting, gnawing hurricane gathering at the base of my spine. Don't you dare come, she half-ordered, half-pleaded. Don't you fucking dare. I opened my eyes, and this time I reached for her hips, and she let me. I helped her move faster and harder, it was only a few seconds before her breathing grew ragged 
and her hips moved jerkily, a blush staining her chest and her cheeks. And then she cried out, slumping forward onto me, her hands fast around my throat, her pussy quivering in tight, squeezing flutters. She was muttering, her face buried in my tuxedo jacket. Holy fuck. And that is when I noticed that I hadn't closed the door to the studio properly, leaving a small crack visible to the hallway. A shadow hovered in that hallway, a figure standing just to the side of the door. It took one glance to confirm. Anton had finally found us, and he was watching. Sierra Simone, Midnight Mass, Priest Series, Book Number Two. Cliffhanger! <laughs> Anton, Anton, Anton. Oh my God, what are you going to do? Jody P, thank you so much for enlivening the show. Thank you so much, Jody P. Brittany S, sending all support your way. May you reach new heights in 2019. This is your year. This is your year. Sounding great tonight. Thank you so much, darling. Linda H, Jack, great show as always from Linda Lady Longlegs. Thank you, Julie Kyle, my sound Fantastic show for the man who is so ready for the next phase. You've got this, Jack. Well, thank you, Julie. Thank you. Sierra said nothing. Thank you, Sierra. Heather C. said, wow, I missed this, and I'm super excited for all you have planned. Thank you, Heather C. All right, guys. Keep sending in those tips if you would be so kind. They keep the whole project running. All right, we've got some more smut here. We've got two pieces here. I should probably choose between one of the two before we do phone sex. So let me just see which is better suited for us time-wise. Uh, okay, I think that'll do. I think we got this one. So one more piece, and then phone sex, and that'll be our show tonight. Okay, okay. <clears throat> Michael twiddled the pencil in between his fingers, trying very hard to concentrate on the hundred pages of articles splayed out on the library desk. Stacks of various heights clouded his view. His tie, taken off hours ago, sat on the tallest stack. Articles he deemed of no use. Classes began in less than 48 hours, and this proposal was due a day later. The bulk of his workload was still staring him in the face, and the last thing he wanted was to start both unprepared for his course and failed requests for funding. He breathed deep, removing his glasses and hoping for any kind of distraction. Almost on cue, he was treated to a nice view of the library assistant who, he believed, was a cheerleader and a very cute blonde. She came around to replace books on the nearby shelves. At one point, he looked up to watch as she had to reach to place a book on an upper shelf. The stretch had her blouse riding up just enough to see an inch or so of her very flat and tanned midriff, along with the sight of her shorts pulling tighter against her firm little behind. 
After one such stretch and reach, she lowered back to her feet and immediately turned to face Michael. He lost his breath and blushed while she made eye contact and smiled. He quickly found his stack of paper very, very interesting and concentrated on deep breathing. She then took her library cart and went around to the next aisle. Shit, he was going to have to watch himself on campus. He couldn't stare at students anymore. He was faculty, for God's sake. His head was buried when he heard the thick click-clack of hard soles on the hard wood. He didn't look up right away. He didn't want to be distracted by the young co again. He took yet another deep breath and smelled a familiar perfume. He looked up, inhaling it deep to pull the scent deep into his lungs. He felt himself harden as he looked around to find no one else in sight. He thought he was alone and must have imagined the footfalls and smell when he heard the armload of books drop on the desk behind him. It was Caitlin. She looked different than she had in class. She was just casual in a raw linen peasant blouse and shirt, contrasting her sun-kissed, almost olive skin. A leather belt cinched around her waist. Her jet-black curly hair was pulled back in a loose ponytail held by a jeweled band. It had been a long summer, but she seemed more confident than before than he remembered, and simultaneously more toned and voluptuous. He could see definition in her unsleeved arms, but her curves were very pronounced. Her ass jutted out, and her breast stood up firm and high. Evening, Professor, she called as she moved behind the return desk. Caitlin, I'm sorry, I had no idea you worked here. Was he blushing? Head research assistant, I'm in the back with special collections most of the time. I sent Beth home and wanted to knock some things out before we close up for the night. You're here rather late, aren't you? Oh, just trying to get off to a good start, I guess. I, I can't work from the house. Too many distractions. Michael's eyes drifted to the polished glass housing the student art projects behind the desk. The reflection of the glass gave him a wonderful view of her large, firm bottom. Her skirt must have nestled between her cheeks, providing a wonderful view. She tilted her head down a bit, so that if she wore glasses, she would be peering over the rims. The last thing we want is for you to be distracted. With that, she grabbed a large stack of books and disappeared into the stacks. Michael needed some air. He stood up, shaking the leg of his pants to hide his erection, and after a moment, grabbed a stack of papers and held them in front of himself. He hadn't had to hide his excitement like this, since high school. As soon as he turned around, he virtually bounced off Caitlin reappearing from beyond the bookshelf. <laughs> he huffed, and the wind temporarily knocked out of him. Oh. Caitlin more squealed in reaction to her bouncing off his chest and dropping her remaining books. He reached out and caught her, one of his hands accidentally touching her breast in doing so. She wasn't wearing a bra. Oof, she grasped as she steadied herself. Sorry, sorry, I, uh, 
I just grabbed the first thing I... I mean... He stammered, turning bright red. He was staring at her chest, unable to look away. He expected a serious scowl and rebuke, but instead she sort of grinned as she adjusted her blouse. The neckline lowered during their brief encounter, and he swore he saw the top of her areola peeking over the edge of its darker paws, contrasting with the olive skin. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I really am sorry. Forget about it. She smiled up at him. For several seconds, they stood at each other at arm's length. Caitlin finally knelt down to gather her things and slowly looked up with an almost vulpine grin. Well, maybe I'll run into you again sometime. She grinned and sashayed toward her desk. I hope so, he whispered as she headed back down the aisle. Michael stood there for far too long of a moment watching Caitlin walk away, her hips swaying, the muscles in her calves, thighs, and backside flexing and relaxing. Oh my God, he thought. When she was down there and looked up, she would have seen... Damn it. With that, he returned, he retucked his hard cock and, if possible, turned a deeper shade of crimson. By the time he got back to his own desk, Michael's heartbeat and breathing had calmed some. He looked around and found Caitlin leaning forward on the wooden table top. Her head cradled sideways in her arm, the ponytail dangling down the side of her head. She was twisting her lovely hair through her fingers. The reflection showed her ass sticking out. It's almost like she's bent over the desk. Michael immediately looked down guiltily to his notes. He tried to focus, but it wasn't long before he was daydreaming about the peak he had of her breast and the rest of Caitlin. His hand slid to her crotch of her slacks and squeezed his ever-stiffening penis. A noise, the sounds of books shifting, caught his attention, and he looked back to the desk and found Caitlin shifting where she should, stood. In the reflection... She shifted her legs, kicking off her sandals, and spread her feet a bit more than a spread her feet a bit more than a hip's width apart. As he watched her ass sway back and forth to a beat he didn't hear. Under the table, he gave his manhood a firm squeeze. Caitlin was still looking down at her books, and she seemed very intent on her work. Abruptly, she leaned forward even more. Her round ass jutted out, and she flexed her feet, lifting herself up and down, still swaying, and she was still moving in almost hypnotic circles. Somehow, the material of her skirt bunched in front of her, pulling the fabric taut across her ass and strong thighs. Without realizing it, Michael was rubbing himself as best he could through the thin material of his pants and boxers. He heard a moan escape himself, and he watched the unexpected scene unfolding before him. Although he was conscious enough to take a quick scan around to see if anyone was watching him and realize the rest of the library was empty. Without acknowledging him in any way, Caitlin walked across the front doors and turned their locks. She left a few switches of lights out in front of the building and came up with the interiors dim. Anybody walking by would see their own reflection.
Through his khakis, Michael cupped his balls. He could feel their warmth and fondled them, watching Caitlin move back to her station. He closed his eyes, imagining her breasts out, her dress pulled up and her panties down around her ankles. His balls squirmed in their sack and he played with them. After a moment, he opened his eyes and looked over his fantasy. Michael's hand froze. Caitlin was looking up from her book and staring at him. Only he didn't see any shock or surprise register in her face. She seemed deep in thought, and she stared in his direction, but her eyes seemed unfocused. Maybe she was trying to come up with some detail to whatever subject she was working on. Her lips were somewhat pursed, almost as though she was about to kiss someone. Michael's heart unsurged a bit as he was sure he could feel those moist lips glancing along his shaft. His hand was still cupped, his balls, and he gave them another teasing squeeze before running his fingers up along the full length. Tearing away from her face and glancing black at the re- back at the reflection in the glass case, he saw that she had shifted her hips once again. He nearly lost his breath and the last vestiges of decorum as he saw a hand lead a long, delicate finger along the hem of her skirt, lowering it over her ass. Michael could hear his own raspy breath as that hand reached between her legs and began running circles across her sex. He saw her scratch her nail against the smooth material, making them both shiver. He could only imagine what it was doing for her. Michael moaned. He wondered if she knew he could see her doing what she was doing. Was this just a fantasy gone wild in her head? Did she want him to catch her rubbing herself? Michael began to rub himself in earnest as he watched her finger trail a little lower and saw the pressure she was applying to the dent it made in the front of her panties. Her finger moved faster, back and forth in tiny circles. He was hypnotized by the sight. He could almost see a wetted, darkening blotch begin to form on the thin blue material of her panties. Michael stroked his cock with even more vigor. He could feel himself leaking, but it was at the point that he no longer cared. He couldn't give up watching this magnificently erotic spectacle continue to unfold. He sucked in a deep breath and gave a good squeeze, feeling the pre-cum trickle out. Caitlin kept stroking her panties, and after every few strokes, she would press a finger into herself, the blue panties easing into her sex and becoming even more dampened. Caitlin stood there with her legs spread wide and her ass thrust out, her hand playing the whole time with the cool, composed upper half belied what he was witnessing. Michael found himself stroking his throbbing erection in near time to the strokes of her fingers. It was as if the head of his cock was stroking her panties. Caitlin's thighs flexed, shifting her weight back and forth. He watched as her hand left her wetness to one of her fingers went in her mouth. With her eyes closed, she sucked slowly on the lone finger. Then her eyes opened, and she made direct eye contact with Michael. Unblinking, she removed the finger from her mouth 
and lowered it to her panties again. She began to butterfly her thighs in and out, and she rubbed her now-wetted finger all over the crotch of her underwear. Lost in lust and shock, Michael unzipped and yanked his cock out through the slit of his slacks and boxers. He grabbed the long, hard shaft jutting just straight up from his lap and squeezed a breathy moan from his lips. With his cock sticking up through his fly, he held Caitlin's eyes as she stroked himself. As he stroked himself, he saw Caitlin close her eyes, and the next few seconds seemed to last forever. It was like watching a series of high-definition digital photos click by. She began to move rapidly, and her body stiffened. He watched her legs flex as she shoved her ass out further, flattening herself on top of the desk, flattening her tits, pressing them up and over her blouse's neckline. He watched as her pussy seemed to suck her fingers deep inside of her. She opened her eyes wide as her entire body shook. She rode her climax, staring at Michael as he stroked his cock. As he watched Caitlin shudder and spasm, Michael's body shook as he came. The first jet of cum splurted onto the front edge of the library table, splashing carefully crafted notes in front of him. Again and again, each streak of cum splattered against the table. He closed his eyes at the height of pleasure and literally saw stars. When he opened his eyes, cum dripping off his hand and the side of the study table looked up at Caitlin only to find her sitting prim and proper, her chin cradled in the palm of her hand working away. Michael took a huge breath and shoved himself back into his pants, warm cum smearing the front. With cum still on his hand and the table and floor beneath him, he looked around for something to clean up with. He grabbed his tie and used it as a makeshift napkin, wadded it up and threw it into the trash. Finally, he stacked his papers and almost balled them up and stuffed them into his book bag. Standing up, his mouth flapped as he tried to say something to Caitlin. His mind worked for something witty or cool or even intelligible. For her part, Caitlin folded her hands in front of her and waited, saying nothing. Finally, with a shake of his head, Michael walked to the front doors and let himself out into the night. The end. Yeah, not bad, huh? Now, who am I having phone sex with? <laughs> do 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 Kay Castle, well, she's not going to be shy. <laughs> I'm actually super nervous, but Kay Castle's not going to be shy, so I think we'll be okay. <laughs> I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing she's not going to be shy. I promise, guys, this is all new to me. I promise. This is all new to me. I didn't know that she was going to be the one. No, 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 sir, I did not. 
Okay, so... Let's just see K Castle. Okay, I found K Castle. I'm just going to give her the ability to speak. Oh, she hasn't. Now she's just going to go through and try to find the way to speak on Discord. And once we have that, I'll begin flirting with her. And it should be fun. Especially after that last little story was all about masturbation. And watching you watch a person do it from across the room. I saved... Oh, shit. I'm trying to get my mic too close. I saved up all of my cum for you. I saved up 24 hours of cum for you girls for this. Didn't masturbate all day. Got a nice little nap in so I could be all rested so my voice would sound so fucking good. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how we try and bring it, right? K-Castle, K-Castle, making all these girls wait. Making daddy wait. What is that all about? Uh-uh-uh. Supposed to be so excited that you got this, and now you're getting it. What's the hurry? <laughs> No worries. I kind of figured. Live show worries. This is what we do. Live show bullshit. This is what we do. Live show. Live show. This is how it goes. Live show. Live show. Whoever sent me heartbeats by the author Bree. Will you please keep that uh, in your in your quiver for me when I request things in the future? I would love to read that for you another time. Hello. Oh, I can hear you now. Let's turn you up a little bit. Hello. Hi. Hi. You have a nice voice. Do you think I have a nice voice? Oh, darling, could we get you off push to talk by chance? Is there any way? I just want to hear everything you're saying, every little thing. I want to hear every little moan, and I want to hear every little gasp. Is there any way we could get you to broadcast it all just like I am? I think I am. Okay, good. Thank you very much for that. So, I have to ask you something, and I'm not trying to make you feel too shy. You seem fairly aggressive and confident before 
Before tonight you did, yeah. And now you don't. And so I'm just wondering, did I just think that you were really confident? Or did you somehow lose your nerve? No, I think I'm just... You think you're just what now, darling? Nervous. Nervous, okay. I like that. I know I shouldn't be, and this is where I should be like, oh, honey, don't be nervous. But like I said, you've been really aggressive. At least that's my perception. And so I really like that even though it's only phone sex, you're all nervous for me, even though you asked for it. It's very, very, very much an aphrodisiac. I feel quite powerful. Do you like me when I feel powerful? Yes. Good. Do you by chance have a toy ready for me? No, you just fingers tonight? That's all we've got? So the answer is no, Daddy, I don't have a toy? No. Oh, see, look how easy it is. I want you to follow where I pull your pretty little neck. I want to take you. All the girls say that then you should sign up for, uh, for phone sex with me. They all keep saying how nice it is. How gentle I am. That's not at all how I want to treat you, though. I want to demand answers and obedience. And I want you to give them to me right when I do. Oh, good girl, that yes is a good answer. Tell me that you are really hoping it would be you. Uh, yes. Yeah. Good girl. And tell me that you're as wet as you can be for me. Mm -hmm. Very good girl. Oh. If I hadn't have just done an audio where I focused on the clit, that's what we'd be doing right now. But as is... I really want to make you moan and come for me, so... Since you did say fingers, plural, I'd like to start off with two right in there. I want you to slide two fingers right into your pussy for me. Oh, good girl. Can I call you a good girl? Do you like it when I call you a good girl? Mm. Oh, yes, you do. And I like doing it very much. Oh, listen to how good you sound. You're already making daddy's cock hard and shiver. Oh, good. I need you to understand that I feel very, very good right now. And that I feel very, very powerful and centered. And that's why I'm forgoing a few things, and I hope you don't mind too much, you pretty little thing. But that's why I'm not asking what you want to be called. And that's why I'm not asking if you're okay with calling me Daddy. Because you're just a good little girl as long as Daddy can fuck you however he wants. Good girl. 
And Daddy really wants to fuck you in a very mean potatoes way. He wants to sit you on his lap, like he's done with every pretty little girl he's taken back to the hotel room. And he wants to face you away so that you sit on it. And he can molest you from behind. Play with your hair and your tits. Finger your fucking pussy until you come. And then grab you. Grab you by your hair. Shove your face down into the mattress. And fuck you from behind. Just take you. Just fucking take you. As much and as hard as I can. That's what I want. I don't really want to coax you. I don't really want to joust with you. I want to tell you what I want to do to you. And I want you to be on fire for it. And what a good little girl. That seems to be exactly how it's working. But for this fantasy to play out over the phone, that means you have to come first for me. And then you have to come again with me. So I need you to get inside that pussy. Come on, good girl. Good girl. Have you ever had a man just tell you to fucking come for him? Have you ever had a man just put his hands on his knees and tell you to fucking come for him? That's what he wanted. I would be fucking that pussy so good with my fingers. I would be rubbing my cock against your ass. You would not be able to get up and off my lap unless I wanted you to. My big, strong daddy hands holding you there, good girl. Come on, focus. All of these girls are going to hear you come. I bet that makes your cunt so fucking wet. I bet you love the idea of it. Yes. Come on, let daddy finger your pussy. Come on. Go, go, go. Yes, yes. Come on. I want it. Come on. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. Come on. Come on. Good girls come for me. Good girls come for me. Good girls come for me. Come on. Go, 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 go. I want it. I want it. I want it now. Oh, good girl. Oh, very good girl. Oh, my, it's like I can press a little button on you and make you do what I want. And such a good girl. Daddy's cock is as hard as can be. And I'm going to start really stroking it right now for you because I've already put it off enough. I want to come, I want to come, and I want to come right inside that little girl pussy, right there, yes I do, uh-huh, I don't want you to see it, I want to grab your pretty little hair from behind, so that way, once I really start pounding you, I am going to be shoving that cute little face of yours into the bed. Oh, but I won't be able to help it because of how much I fucking want to fuck it. How much I want to fucking fuck that little girl pussy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Be a good girl for me. Good. Yes. Uh-huh. Good girl. Oh, fuck. Do you have any idea how powerful I am? How powerful I really fucking am. Oh, little girl, little girl. Oh, listen to it. 
Listen to what I can make you do just with the sound of my voice and stroking my fucking cock. I can own that goddamn pussy from here. I can own it from here. Come on, keep pushing. I said it's mine. I said you need to fucking work it. Do you need a third finger? Do you need a third finger? Come on, put it in. Put it in. Come on. God, you're such a little slut for daddy. Yes, you are. Oh, oh, daddy's going to make you ache. Yes, he is. Oh, when you wake up tomorrow and you piss, it's going to fucking hurt. And the only word in your mouth is going to be daddy. Because he's the one who fucking did it to you. Come on. Yes. Yes. I love stretching out your little girl pussy. Come on. Come on. Yes, yes. Oh, you sound so fucking good. Uh huh. fucking smiling for me, little girl. Good girl, you better smile through that fucking pain. Oh. Come on, you little slut. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold it.
Oh, get ready. Get ready to push. Get ready to push. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, you sound so good. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yes. Go. Push, 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 push. Make daddy come. Come on. Go, 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 go. Come on. Go, 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 go. Push, 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 push. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Come on. Go, go, go. Come on, goddamn you! Push, 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 push! I'm about to come. Go, 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 go! Come on, come, come on! Daddy needs to come. Daddy needs to come. Go, 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 go! Yes, yes. sounds at the very end. You know, you almost got me out of breath. After only 90 minutes of talking before that, you almost got me out of breath. That's not bad, little girl. Oh, no, I can't hear you. Oh, you can't hear me? Guys, can you hear her? I can't hear her. Oh, no. Oh, no, I can't hear her. Listen. One more time. There you are. Now I can. Yes, now I can. I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened there. I don't know. Oh, you were so amazing. You really were. I kept asking you to hold back and hold back, and then I made you give it after you were all... Did you get numb? My imagination is you got numb. Yeah. And then, and then I had you push through that numbness, and you came for me right on command, and you got me to come real hard for you because you did. What a good girl you are. So after... I'm going to embarrass you very much now. So after all the little flirtation and winks you've thrown my way... You finally got me. Was it worth it? Yeah. Oh, good. I like being worth the effort. Oh. Well, now that we've done that, I should probably get a, a, a name to call you. I should just a little, just a little name. Anything you're comfortable with. You can just call me. I can just call you what now, darling? Just call me baby. Just call you baby? Well, that's just smart baby. Well, baby, you did amazing tonight. You were a lot of fun. Thank you so much for it. I hope you made a lot of girls jealous. Oh. Mm -mm -mm. Now that I cannot do at the stage shows, trust me, Allie's checked. 
So that's going to have to remain at the, uh, the live shows and tip shows for now. But uh, I just want to say to Baby, to everybody who tipped, to everybody who had a request, to everybody who came out tonight, and of course all the fans who are listening to this after the fact, thank you so much for everything. It was a really, 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 really fun show. It was two hours long, and it went by like nothing. And as you can tell, it's not just my attitude that's improving. My health seems to be quite as much as well. I hope you've enjoyed all the new content. It's been a lot of fun rocking that out for you guys the last couple of months. Like I said at the beginning, it's been about 100 days since that car crash, and I've done my best to, to get everything situated and back on track in my own head in October so I can keep walking out work. And uh, we've been rolling it out for about three months now. And yeah, I feel really good about the work. I feel really good about everything that we did. Uh, I feel very, very confident that we can continue to do live shows and patron shows and even start scaling up content with the podcast and BXP going and game streaming and all the rest. I just feel it. And thank you so much for being a part of it. It really means a lot. Uh, as you can hear, that was a real orgasm, <laughs> and it was really quite good, and uh, it was the first one in like 30 hours, so I'm a little bit spacey, and I hope I'm not rambling too much, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm throwing everything I got into it, and I can still breathe and crack jokes and, and make slights at myself afterwards, so I think this is, this is pretty much it. Um, as we close out, I just... Uh, I want to say one more time, I, I no longer really consider myself in recovery. If I had to go out and get a desk job, if you all fired me tomorrow and there was no more Grey Knight, uh, and, I, and I had to go out and get a corporate job or something, I think I could do it. Mentally, emotionally, physically, I think I'm there. I think you guys got me back on track. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart, from the very bottom of my heart. Uh, I will still improve. I'm still going to get in better shape. I'm still going to improve my technique. I still want to get better breathing. I still want to get a harder dick. Uh, if not maximum hardness per erection, then more erection minutes per day or something. You know what I'm saying? You know, there's, there's multiple ways to get a harder dick, and I want them all. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to keep working at it legitimately uh, because I love it. And I hope it's not too much of a word. I, I'm a little hesitant. I love you. I love and I appreciate you. You have given me such great gifts, and I, I am profoundly grateful. And it is very much my goal to turn them into an even better project and an even better and happier me. So thank you very much for everything. Yes, the I do have to ask for money, so there's the link. Feel free to tip. So much goddamn money, you wouldn't believe it. Go into debt for it. That's okay. You can you can die in the street for me. I, I, I'll allow it just this once. Uh, and, from, and really, you're the best. Uh, next tip show is going to be a matinee on Saturday. I'll be putting that up on the, on the website soon. If you're confused about when these shows happen or why they just kind of appear on your podcast, graynighterotica.com and then click the live stream page. Uh, that will tell you the most... Uh, up-to-date information on when this next show is. 
uh, as I said, I'm feeling ready and, and knock on wood, I'll actually be putting down the money on the venue pretty soon here. And then of course, that'll be that. You put the money down on the venue, that's the date, baby. That's the date and location. So uh, we're looking at that. By soon, I do mean the next couple of months, not tomorrow. But um, the hunt is actively on for the, this this uh, this engagement to happen. It's just venue, uh, weight loss, helm, and suit. And suit is underway, helm is underway, weight loss is hopefully underway. So uh, uh, Thunderbirds are a go. It's looking, fingers crossed. Knock on wood. I know there's been some false starts, but I'm ready. And I can't wait to bring this energy and, and this level and, and standing up singing and, and storytelling and all the rest to you in the near future. Uh, you guys are, are so good to me and you help me be better to myself. I hope you think I'm good to you. I hope you uh, appreciate uh, and approve of the work that I send you. Uh, feedback is always appreciated. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Again, uh, greenaderotica.com and the live stream tab for more of these shows. I love doing them, even if I'm a little spacey, right? I'm still spacey 10 minutes after that orgasm. That was a good one. Uh, so thank you again. That'll be the end of it. I don't know why you listened this long, especially to the recording. It makes absolutely no sense to me, but thank you. I'm touched. You're awesome. Uh, see you soon. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. Great night out.